Thank you for joining us on the Southwest Florida Business Podcast. I'm your host, Chris, and today I'm joined by Jake Bruni from Top Level Cabinetry. I enjoyed this episode because we dove into a few different things. We we got into the transition from his previous company into how this current company started, how he worked his way up to that, how they took a different approach with that other company, and then how that ultimately led them to be able to see this particular opportunity. And now this has kind of become their main focus. And so... Um, we talk a little bit about how he's planning on growing this company, the way he looks at it. Uh, but some of the other things that we talk about in here are how he defines branding and why that's important to him. And that may mean something different to everybody, but listen to how he describes it because the way that he does actually is is pretty much woven into how he does all of his work. Uh, it was It was very interesting to actually learn about it in this way and see somebody view it that way. Um, so yeah, I, I hope that you guys enjoy this episode. I learned a lot. And one thing that is pretty cool, especially if you're a newer entrepreneur, Jake really likes talking to entrepreneurs who have, you know, taken the leap, have, have actually gone into business for themselves. And maybe they're early on, they have questions, whatever it might be. If you do have any questions, reach out to Jake. He, he, genuinely enjoys helping newer entrepreneurs. I picked his brain on a bunch of stuff and it actually helped me out a lot. Um, so please don't hesitate to reach out to him. I'll leave some of his contact info below in the show notes, but otherwise I hope you guys enjoy this episode with Jake and we will see you soon. This episode is brought to you by Southwest Florida Podcasts. If you're a business in Southwest Florida and you want to use a podcast to grow your business, scan the QR code on your screen or visit the link in the show notes at www.swflpodcast.com. Enjoy the show. Well, thanks for joining, man. I appreciate it. No worries. And um, all right, so let's dig into top level. We'll kind of go through the history of everything, but really you're good with it let's start with what top level is what you guys do um and we'll kind of dig into some of the customers that you help and why and then we'll we'll see where this thing goes Does that work sounds great awesome so top level we started in uh, june of last year um and my mission and purpose with top level was i've been installing cabinetry for 15 years now and during that 15 years, I've noticed a couple things wrong in the industry that uh, <laughs> um, have, you know, everybody, it's like the definition of insanity, the best way to put it. Um, a lot of people just keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, and times are changing, people are changing, but the cabinets weren't changing. So my vision was to open it with new thoughts, new ideas, and show what we what we strive to be as a uh, perfect cabinet company obviously okay. we're perfect you toss around it's never good but sure if i'm not striving for perfection i'm not striving for the right thing yeah so for sure. well so what are some of the things that you were that you were seeing over and over like what was the gaps that you were seeing in the industry so one of the biggest gaps was every cabinet company was always short installers long lead times things like that. Uh, they'd have the cabinets sitting there for three three weeks sometimes before they could get an installer to go out and do it. Okay. Um, other things is just bad communication, uh, too many people passing, uh, too many people passing jobs back and forth to different people instead of having one person run with the job, um, which is one of the big things in my staple with my company is if you became a customer for my company, you would talk to one person through the whole process. They're in charge of that whole process for you. Got it. Um, that thing, that has exploded for our builders and our builders are, are raving about that because they know who to call. They know what needs to get done. And as long as they talk to that person, it gets done. Mm -hmm. They don't have to be like, well, who do I call for this? Who do I call for that? No, I'm just going to call my buddy John and it's going to be done. Yeah. yeah. So you, you give these these customers a single point of contact right. rather than having to pretty much chase people down for probably sometimes days, yes. I'd imagine. Okay. 
I bet that streamlines things quite a bit. <laughs> it streamlines it very much. It also puts a lot of a lot more pressure on. My, I call them my account managers. It puts a lot more pressure on them. But um, at the end of the day, there's a lot of people that can do it. It's just they weren't wanting to do it, or not. They were too afraid to get that extra ten percent of power that they needed. So um, I let them. I let them run with it. I believe in them. I trust them, and it's it's growing quite fast. Our first year, we hit. Um, which was only a half year, we hit $2 million in sales, and this year we're on projections for 15 to $17 million, So, Damn, that's a huge, it's a huge jump. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, all right, two things. How do you, how do you kind of build a team that can handle something like that? Like, what do you, what do you look for in people? And then, um, yeah, let, let's start there. So what I look for in somebody is different than most. I don't look for if you've done it in the past or any of your your back accolades. What I look for is team player. Okay. I want somebody that is hungry. Um, and if I have somebody that's a team player and hungry, I can teach them anything else. Because um, hunger is going to make you show up. Team player is going to make you work with others. Yeah. If you got those two, you can, you can do anything. Okay. And is that kind of like... Uh... It's kind of like a linchpin for why you guys have been able to actually go from two million to really an estimated what ten, almost eight times more than that in a single year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think. I mean, obviously, a lot of it has to do with the people I brought into place, um, and it's because I believe in them, um, and I let them do what they do best. Um, and a lot of people micromanage; they say they don't, but they do or things like that. It's just back and forth constantly. Like, hey, why'd you do this? Why'd you do that? If something ever goes wrong, I sit them down and we talk about the whole progress and I show them each side of where it's at and I let them know and I say, what could we have done better? Yeah. And at the end of it, they have their idea. I have my idea and the other person has theirs and that's the end of it. Yeah. So wh where'd, you, where'd you kind of develop that style of leadership? From myself, <laughs> okay. <laughs> because uh, I was a, I was a very good installer. Um, not trying to toot my horn or anything like that, but I was well sought after for pretty much anything woodworking down here for a long time. I did houses in Port Royal and Quail West down to you know little production homes like Wade Journey, Christopher Allen, things like that. So I've done it all, um, and was just well sought after with that. And what I noticed is when I did my best is when people left me alone and let me work. Um, and when I did the worst is when people thought I couldn't do the job and they wanted to oversee everything about me. So you end up making the job more difficult for yourself. It's less enjoyable for yourself. Yeah. And so pretty much it's like, hey, let me just knock this out of the park and I'll pretty much get left alone. Yeah. No, that's not to say that it's perfect and I don't get burned sometimes doing that. But sure. you know, at the end of the day, um, a wise mentor of mine once said, no matter how well you treat somebody or take care of somebody, they will leave you at one point. That's not their final destination. There's a rare, I think it's 2% of people that stay with one job their whole entire life or will finish out a job in long years. So you're talking about 98% that don't. Yeah. So what is it that you're trying to do? Squeeze them for everything they got until they leave or are you trying to make them become who they're supposed to be? And yeah. I look for the latter. I'd rather them leave for something better and be happy than to leave for something worse just to get away. Yeah. Well, because you end up learning from that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So so as you're growing the, this business and you're bringing people in to kind of teach them and show them how to do it and really become autonomous on their own, that's what it seems like the goal is. Like in addition to meeting with them, letting them know when they do something wrong, how do you kind of facilitate that? How do you make that, how have you made that the culture in the business? I started from the beginning. Um, I brought my, so I have two companies. I have top level and level line installations, which is my installation brokerage. Um, I brought, when I started top level, I brought my main guys that were in level line. I gave them promotions and brought them in to facilitate things. I also picked up a really experienced account manager from another company that um, has been very beneficial for our company in growth. Um, and with those 
four of us, we, we sat down and we went over what the culture was going to be, what the structure was going to be, and gave a clear path going forward. Okay. And I think that's one of the most critical things is people always try to get the business before they fix the business. If you fix your business and your business is perfect, you can get all the work you want and you don't have to worry about fixing it. So we actually took the time to get the systems and processes down the way we wanted and then went and got the business. Got it. Okay. And is that, did you end up taking that approach just because you've been in the business for 15 years, you've been doing it, you've seen what works and what doesn't. And so you're able to take their experience too and kind of combine it all and really lay out a path forward for somebody new that comes on. Yeah. Uh, so the last company that I was a employee at was a big company. They were 20 million plus a year. And what I realized with them is that at a fundamental level, they were flawed and they kept trying to fix their issues, but they weren't fixing the root, which is fundamentally at the beginning of it. Okay. Because they didn't have the systems in place. Hmm. So no matter how big you get, if your systems aren't correct, you're, you're not going to be where you want to be. So I fixed my systems to start and I just took that on me, not worrying about work. I just took it on me. I'm like, let's get our systems right. Mm -hmm. Once we liked our systems, then we started having little bugs, but the system fixed the bugs as we fixed the system. Yeah. So it, it keeps the stream going versus getting clogged and having to go back constantly. Well, and it seems like it makes the work that you do to fix the system and fix the bugs becomes part of the system and it makes everything flow in the future versus hey, everything's busted. Now let's triage this. Let's try to make it work. And then we're going to be back here in six months or a year or something like that. Yep. So, so do you feel like having these systems in place actually helps avoid most, not all, but most of that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we get we get more five-star ratings than I think any other cabinet company besides probably Cornerstone because they're huge into the social media and asking for Google reviews with homeowners. Um, we specialize in builders and we have probably more five-star reviews than any other cabinet company besides homeowner ones. Okay. Um, and that's just from builders and people that have worked with us in warranty and service. They're like, dude, you guys are different. Yeah. And I mean, I'm not... I'm not here to say that I've made the special sauce or done it better, but like uh, at the end of the day, the problem that we saw and the solution we had to do it was to have somebody as a spearhead and a, a one person contact. And having that has fixed many of the issues I saw in the whole industry, so. Got it. And so just so we, we're, we're covering it on here, who are the main customers that you're working with for now with top level and then we can dive into level line yeah. but who are the main customers you're working with now so top level our main customers uh one is dr horton another one is christopher allen holmes uh those would be the two big big name ones and we don't we don't specialize in one versus the other side of cabinets because i believe that cabinets are cabinets whether you go from full custom to production, the only difference is a better quality cabinet and a, a, an installer that will take the time more. Mm. But the install should be the same at the end of the day. But the installer that sits there and takes the more time to cut it perfectly, whereas in a production home, caulking's okay. You know, those little things. Um, as long as the system is the same, it doesn't matter how high-end versus how production you need to be. And I think that's where a lot of people break down on their train as they try to specialize in high end. But then if they try to do production that way, it doesn't work. Or they try to do production only, but they specialize, or they don't specialize in production, but they try to do high end, it doesn't work. So you basically have made the same foundation for both and you can make some minor tweaks to really accommodate that specific job. But the foundation is the same for regardless of the job. Correct. Okay. Like uh, Southwest Florida Dream Homes is one of our, our most needed um, custom builders. He's very, very high in attention to detail, okay. as he should be with his houses. Um, and every day his first phone call is to us for the cabinets because he trusts our process versus others. Nice. Um, a lot of that has to do with our installers that we've trained and put into positions to install properly, to what we feel we install properly. At the end of the day, you know, you can't change someone's own truth um, so if you believe 
100% that you're a better installer than somebody else, I can't fix that. Sure. Only you can. Um, but all we can do is tell them what we're looking for and, and guide them that way. Yeah. And so that's what level line is, that side of the business. That's for the installation piece, Yeah, right? so level line was the first company I ever, ever built. Um, I built it just for myself to start as a kitchen cabinet installer. Okay. And what I noticed with all the builders and all the cabinet companies is they were always calling to ask how much work I could do because they had too much work and not enough installers. So that was the main problem they had was they had all this work and they had a backlog and they needed to do and it. It's every co cabinet yeah. company. You call a cabinet company say you're a good installer, they'll put you to work tomorrow probably. Everybody's looking for it. Okay. So what I was like, that's a problem. So my solution to it was let's bring guys in, I'll train them, and I'll make an installation brokerage. So they all worked under me. They all worked under my licensing. Um, and we just kept training and growing, training and growing adding more people and by the uh what was it about january of last year i was at about 22 installers pushing about 60 to 100 kitchens a week wow so and that was going through production and custom homes yep didn't matter what this what it was we gave them the same product and what that we expected for that product wow okay and so why why did you come up with the the brokerage idea and what's the What's the structure of that like? like? How is that structured differently than just a like an installation company? Or is it the same? So there isn't really an installation company before that brokerage. So basically a cabinet installer would go direct to a, a cabinet company and have to do all the paperwork and chase the check and get all this, turn in their paperwork, turn in their pictures. I say, let me make it easy for you. I'll give you a job every day. You go do your job. You send me the pictures when you're done and I'll give you a check every week. Oh, okay. So you were really making it easy for both sides of the transaction. You were making it easy for the installer because you're, it's almost like a lead or a job funnel to them. So they, they don't really have to worry about that necessarily. Yep. But then you're also making it easier for the builder or whoever needed those cabinets installed because you said, all right, I have somebody that can do this job for you every day and we can do it in just a few days versus weeks or maybe months yeah i mean our average turnaround i mean sometimes we can push it in 48 hours but we like to do a 72 hour rule okay so if they have a job coming up in 72 hours and they give it to us we will be able to facilitate that for them nice so that that was a huge relief to a lot of cabinet companies down here for a long time um, as i started top level i kind of started bringing my guys into top level only so it has it has taken a back burner a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it's still there. It always will be there. I'm not going to lose my first company. But sure. um, I'm definitely more focused on top level at the moment uh, for the simple fact that I like the solution we're doing with that now. Okay. I think it's making it – I think level line was a Band-Aid and top level is like the actual like stitches. Okay. So let's go over the transition from uh, from – Jeez, oh, level line. Yep. I'm, I was going to call it top line. Yep. <laughs> um, from level line, um, how how did you how did you build that up, and then where did you see this opportunity to kind of not necessarily transition, but to actually shift focus to what you think is like the full solution? Like, how did that grow, and then where did you see the opportunity to um, like do this? So yeah, uh, it's very easy when you're the installer on the installer end to see the flaws, um, and it's not. It's also not fair too because coming from the the cabinet side, there's a lot of moving parts that go ahead. That one little slip up means a huge disaster at the install. Okay. So um, as far as like you know, you forget to order hardware and then it's not there. You got to go back. So now now the business owner has to pay extra because the guy forgot to push click and send. Um, so what we saw as a consistent is what I collected with my data. So if we got to a job and the walls were always wrong, or this was always wrong, this was always wrong. We brought that in, we analyzed it and we came up with the game plan. Okay. So, you know, when you get a hundred kitchens, between 60 and hundred kitchens a week of data, you can kind of start pinpointing what the major issues are. So what were the major issues that you were running into? So the, a lot of the major issues were we, our account manager again, goes out and measures the job before he orders. 
um, if he has to order because the cabinets take a little longer before he measures, we send a correction request and make sure that it's um, corrected before the cabinets come. Okay. One of the big things I saw with the other companies was that critical part right there. When you send the correction request, you never went back. What so, do you mean? So they just assumed they were going to fix it. Oh, so they weren't staying on top of this this new change in what was being Correct. made? Correct. So okay. what I require my account managers to do is to make a follow-up measure. And I tell the builder that he has to put on drywall hold until he gets the measure done again, and then he'll go back and check again. And if everything's correct, then he'll let him drywall. But we're not trying to waste the builder's money by having to rip the walls down either. Got so it. we want to save them money. So we tell them, hey, don't put this up yet. Yes, it sucks you're slowing down production, but we want this done right. Got it. Okay. Um, builders are a lot more receptive when you go that route versus we sent you a correction request. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, well, thanks. It doesn't mean I don't have to rip this kitchen out now. Yeah. So we just make sure that everything's right before the drywall goes in. Okay. All right. So then, so... The main thing, and this came up in the past year, and I think as we were talking last week, you were mentioning that a lot of this was coming about from some of the supply chain issues and the lead times that COVID was causing. So can you can you dig into that piece? Because I think that'll shed a little light on why this issue is happening and where this remeasurement is actually like a critical piece. Yeah. So, I mean, there's not... There's not one trade out there that's not feeling it right now. Yeah, uh, it's it's across the board. You're getting price increases daily. You're setting these these deals where the the price is the price, and then the contract states 120 days before you can change the price, and then they send you a price increase of 10 percent that's coming next week. So you, for 110 days, you have to eat 10 percent before you can get the price increase. Yep, uh, that's going across the board. On top of the builders who are signing contracts at one price, and then trusses increased by double block increases by double and then they go to the homeowner and like i i need this much money or i'm going to lose money building it and then the homeowner turns around and sues them or they say or they puts them out of their price point that they can buy the house so then the builder has to find somebody new to buy the house yeah it's it's an interesting time we live in yeah <laughs> and it's putting it's putting everybody in a bad spot yeah you know, and on top of it back to like our measurements with it is if somebody makes a mistake, I mean, you could be four weeks out to get a replacement for something. So it's critical that we help the builder and be a trade partner, which is another reason why I believe our company is different. Um, trade partner has kind of gone out the door in the last couple of years, I believe. And they just say, yeah, he works for me. Um, back in the 90s and the 2000s, your builders would have trade partners. They'd be like, this is my cabinet guy. He's my trade partner. He's not going anywhere. Now mm. it's, you got a cheaper price than him. I'll take him out. So when you have that trade partner that you know he's looking out for your company and he's going to try to save you money by doing the extra, it that goes away. Like, you, get, you get out of the commodity zone. Yeah. Because, yeah, and then I think people start looking at it as, yeah, sure, you could save some money by going this route and maybe you save money short term, but... Like you said, if we're gonna, you know, do this pretty much on spec, you know, measure this out, and then it's wrong, and we have to rip walls down and take even more time, what what is that worth to you? What what money did you really save? Yeah, you know. Yeah. So so catching it ahead of time is, is huge for them because even though it puts them back a week, it saves them product and delays and yeah, all that, and then they know when the cabinets go in or when the drywall goes up, there's no more issues. Because the biggest issue a lot of people face in cabinets, especially if they don't go measure ahead of time or they trust somebody else to order it or measure it or anything like that, is if the cabinets can't go in, it holds up everything. Because as soon as the drywall is up, you should be six to eight weeks before the house is done. Like that should be it. Yeah. And if you hold up the cabinets six to eight weeks, well now you're holding up the builder getting money for six to eight weeks. Mm. You're holding up the homeowners from moving in for six to eight weeks when they probably needed to be out like three months before that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody's paying rent on the homeowner side now yeah. or, you know, renegotiating, trying to get out of their contingency or whatever may happen for their other house. And then, I mean, you're talking about probably what, hundreds of houses at a time for some of these builders mm -hmm. being out of that cash for an extra few weeks can be a bunch of paychecks and things like that. It's huge cash flow. I mean, uh, uh, that's. 
unfortunately, that's the toughest part of a business owner right there is for everybody else to realize that a business owner revolves around cash flow. And if the cash flow stopped because of errors, there's no more cash flow. Yeah. And then they're pulling out of their personal or something like that to save it. Yeah. Because it's the business that they care about. Yeah. But when issues happen, cash flow stops, it's just only going to come to bad things. And that's a huge big thing with, with us and why we take so much pride in it is because we don't want anything wrong. We want the system to go because if the system goes, we're doing what we're supposed to do. If cash is flowing to everybody, in your case, then it's beneficial to everybody and it protects you guys too. Yep. All the company, employees, everything like that. Yep. Hmm, okay. Um, and so like for for newer entrepreneurs or people coming up and wanting to get started in, in this industry, like, is this something that you, you kind of teach the people that end up working for you? Do you help help them with this side? I know you want to help the, the next generation come up and, and really find success, whatever avenue it is. That's mm-hmm. what we talked about. Like, what are some of the ways that you kind of teach these things to your guys? So my turnover rate is, is very low, believe it or not. And I, I, I credit that a lot to me understanding them and letting them be free for the most part. Sure. Um, if they ever do leave me, it's always for a better job. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, what I would hate is if people started leaving me for a worse job. That yeah. would make me feel bad. Um, so why do you have like that mentality? Where did that come from? I guess it came, that's a tough one. That's a really good question. I don't know how that mentality came, but I just know that that people deserved help. And the old day where, if you go back to the trades back in the, the 90s or 2000s, you try to get on an electrician trade or a trim carpenter trade, they're like, I'm not teaching this guy. You find somebody else to teach him. Yeah. And now we're shorthanded on them and it's huge. And it's not even just that as a trade, as business owners, anything. Like nobody wanted to teach the secrets. And now you see it starting, the wheel starting to come off because nobody wanted to teach. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the day, if somebody takes this account or that account for me or anything like that, I'm, there's plenty of work to go around. It's yeah. never going to hurt me for somebody to take something from me. What's going to hurt me is if I didn't help somebody. Yeah, because then you end up getting pinched. Like, and I saw that in aviation too. I was in aviation before this and literally for the past 10 years, that's all they've been talking about is we're going to have a shortage of A&P technicians. We're going to have a shortage of pilots, all these things. And it's, uh, I think, I think you're right. A big portion of that comes down to that kind of like walled garden approach. Like I'm not teaching this or somebody else teaching more or being afraid to teach people things because you're afraid of the competition. It's, uh. I, I, you're probably right. That's probably playing a bigger factor today than maybe everybody realizes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's mean, a, it's a huge factor. I can't tell you how many people have come to me, and the first thing is they they just want a chance. Yeah, and I'll always give you the chance. It's you have to show me you want it. Is what it comes down to. Um, the I've taught probably ten or eleven guys now that came from. $10 an hour jobs, how to be uh, cabinet installers now. And they're really good now. And they're doing way better now. Some some have actually crossed six figures a year doing it. So nice but to be able to see that and their family do better, That that's my win. Yeah. I don't ever want to hold somebody back because I'm afraid they'll go somewhere else. If they all left tomorrow and went to my rival to install, as long as they're paying them more, I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you getting paid more and are you doing cooler jobs? And, yeah. Like, all just, right, fair enough. As long as you're progressing, I'm happy. Okay. So how do you, how do you keep that, that culture, that, that state of mind, how do you keep that in place and then create more of these opportunities for the next people that come up? Is it something you have to do directly? Do you have to teach these guys to be able to teach others like what's the the way that you're seeing that well i I hope that my guys will go on and do kind of what i did for them i do hope that i can't make them do that sure Um, but what i do um i know a lot of people and i hang out with a lot of people and a lot of people introduce me to newer business ventured people and they want to ask me for my time and um 
everybody knows my time is, is super valuable, just as everybody else. And I believe in time is the most important thing over money, over anything else. The more time you get, the better. So I always make time for those people. And they know that. So they, they don't take it lightly. Yeah. And if I say, yeah, I can meet you from this time to this time, they're there. They have a notebook of questions they want to ask me, and I'll go through everything for them. Nice. And it's it's probably the the best thing they can do because they're going to get free advice from somebody that's done it versus going on Google or watching one of these guys that make money doing it and try to get a get-rich-quick book. Yeah. I'm going to show you the slow way to do it, the right way to do it, and the proper way with licensing and not doing it a fly by night to where you'll crash and burn in two years. Yeah. Like I don't, I, I, I can't stress it enough to people that the first two years you're in business, you're normally not going to make much money mm -hmm. because you're growing your business. Every dollar you get has to go back in. After that, then it's built. Now things start happening. Yeah. So as long as they understand that and they have two years to make their systems right, as long as their system's right and their brand and their purpose is right, they're never going to go away. Well, and I think, yeah, and I'm in, I'm at about a year into this business, and that's exactly right. Is like every every achievement, every milestone, every big chunk of revenue that we bring in is going back into the business. Mm -hmm. Just got a brand new cinema camera to level up like an entire new section of the business. Going back into branding, marketing, all these things. like So that way I can have these systems in place to be able to grow it. Because that's what I, that's what I realized as I was building this is you're kind of scrapping everything together. Mm -hmm. You're trying to figure these things out, put it all um, in as neat of a, a you know box as you can, but it's always evolving. But I'm seeing that light at the mm -hmm. end of the tunnel here. And uh, yeah, just trying to get these systems in place that way when when the dam opens um you know we actually have like the reservoirs to catch it versus uh just drowning yeah. so yeah no i i think that's i think you're spot on because that's i'm right in the thick of it now yeah. so and that's that's the best place to be honestly when you when you're just through it and you start seeing your company take shape that's like the best feeling in the world for a business owner they're like yeah, yeah. look at it go I'm uh my my stress has definitely changed from how am I gonna make money, where am I gonna do it to how am I going to have the time to do all of this stuff? Yeah. Which is I I much prefer this stress than where I was at six months ago. You yeah. know what I mean? And again, like like we were talking about last week, time is like once you get to that point, you you're buying time is what mm -hmm. you do. Anything that saves you time, you're gonna do. Which again, with top level, one of my big branding things and branding, branding is different to me than it will be to anybody because I break it down to what it really is. Okay. So a brand to somebody, they're always going to give you three things. We communicate efficiently. We're effective. We actually talk to the customer. We give you that five-star feeling. It's not a brand. Everybody says that. What do you do? Nobody else does. And it takes time for people to realize that it does. But when you find out what it is you do that nobody else does and you run with that, you're going to stay go. There's nothing that's bad that's going to happen because your brand is separating you from anybody else. Somebody could try to do it. Like there's a million people that try to do a Big Mac, right? Has anybody ever been able to match it? No, it's a Big Mac. Yeah. Same thing with brand because Big Mac is their brand. You have to find a brand for your company. And I think too many people look at it as the easy way to find their brand with saying communication, effectiveness, all that. Everybody's doing it. it. By saying that, you're saying that the other person doesn't care as much. Yeah. Which is not true. Yeah. It's their livelihood. Everybody's fighting for it. So it's branding is, is special to me. And when I, when I break that down to people and they actually get a, a light at the end of the tunnel when seeing that, it's I can see their whole way they do things change. Yeah, because it's... Like you said, it's it is a way of doing things. Yep. Yeah, it's it's who you are. It's having that that standard that you hold yourself to, and the brand really is what you what you do. But you have to live it. It can't just yep. be a buzzword. Yeah, and a buzzword is like communication and all that stuff. That's, yeah, those are buzzwords. Like a brand is my brand and top level is to give you 
an experience from start to finish, you're going to talk to somebody. They're always going to be there for you. If they mess up, it's, it's their fault. Yeah. Like, and if you ever need the owner, he's there for you. Yeah. And that's different than everybody else. Yeah. Cause you're, you're inherently solving a problem that nobody else is like in your case, like the buzzword is communication, but to really live out that piece of you do have a single person, you're not going to be running around all over the place. You can get a hold of somebody. Yep. That is the piece. That's the critical thing. Yep. Yeah. That's something I've been learning lately with this as well. And yeah, it is kind of funny being halfway through it, but now this, this feeling is starting to, to take shape of like the differences, like mm. what I can actually bring to the table, starting off with the problem that people have, what can I do, but what can I do that's unique and different. And it probably comes, your ability to do this probably comes from starting off being a chef and then going into installation for all this time and learning the ins and outs and then seeing what the opportunity is and being able to really make something that solves a problem. Like for me, I'm not the best videographer in the world. I'm not the best interviewer in the world, but I was in business and for, I don't know, eight, nine years in different roles. So like I understand what business owners' pains are. And if I can bring that here and alleviate that and make a pretty decent video, then cool, man. Like that'll be my, that I think you're right. I think that's my brand. Yep. Yeah. There's cool. not a lot of people that do what you do either. That was one thing that attracted me to uh, reaching out to you is that, you know, there's not a lot of people that are about business owners here. Like they just want to talk to the people that already have made a name for themselves or things like that. You just want to meet business people. Yeah, I just want to meet business owners because the names are cool and I have no problem with the names. Um, I just never been somebody that really enjoys, I don't like going to these like swanky events. I don't like yeah. the hobnobbing and things like that. I, I myself am a small business owner. I like to talk. I like talking to small business owners to find out what they're doing, how they've made it through, and then when I talk to people that are just starting out or thinking about starting out, I can like encourage them and be like, "Look, there's a whole community of people out there that are are like us. Just like take the leap, or I'm not going to tell you to take the leap, but if you do, there's there's people out here that think the same way. So." Don't do it, but do it, you know? Yeah, I mean, if you, I mean, if you have an idea that you think is going to solve someone's problems and you tell some people about it and they say it's a good idea, my advice is write it down, get your brand, understand what you're going to do and jump on it. Yeah. Like I will never tell somebody not to do it because mm -hmm. if it sounds like a good idea, it probably is. Yeah. And if you can get that validation and people want it. Yeah. And one thing that helped me and actually why this podcast exists is I had a bunch of things I was trying to sell a service, which I knew would be useful, but I didn't know how to sell it or communicate it. And uh, and I just put some feelers out there like, hey, I'm thinking of doing something like this. Would anybody be interested? And I had five people reach out to me within an hour and 10 people within the first day. And yep. I was like, okay, yeah, we're on to something. Mm -hmm. So for the new people that you talk to that are younger, that either want to start their business or get into the trades, whatever it might be, where do you tell them to start? So, I mean, I talk to people in all kinds of trades and businesses. Normally, I talk to somebody who's already made the leap. Okay. I haven't talked to anybody that's come to me that says they want to start a business. Um, and I'll be excited for that day because that would be a fun one. But normally, people have already found their idea already. And I basically make them figure out their brand. Okay. Um, that's huge to me because... When I figured out my brand with Level Line, I grew from a hundred thousand a year, which was what I was doing installing, to one point eight million in six months. Whoa! And when you see those huge leaps because you figure out what people need, you know you're onto something, like you said. So my brand was I'm solving everyone's problems because everyone needs installers. I got a lot of them. Come see me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we gave them our price sheet. We didn't let them give us their price. This is our price sheet. I was able to break down the numbers that way so that everything made sense for me, for what it would cost me to take care of all that stuff for them, or maybe float them a couple of weeks till I got the check, things like that. Um, all those metrics and numbers you need, 
uh, once you have that streamline and that brand, I mean, that's all you need. You need you, you need to know how much it's going to be to be profitable, and you need to know what it's for. And if I can tell you both of those things like that, I could probably sell you. Yeah, yeah. It's when you start going, well, we could do, we might be able to, that's when people lose interest and they're gone. And they get shaky. Yeah, they get, within the first 10 seconds, they'll know if they'll buy from you or not. Mm -hmm. So why not give them all the information in 10 seconds? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and be able to do it confidently. Yeah. Like yeah. for instance, I, I even got, um, what's the word for it? They commended me for uh, when I was at DR Horton with uh, with their purchasing agent. I walked in. I said, here's my price before I even sat down. And she's like, never had that before. Usually people try to smooth me. I'm like, you're a multi-billion dollar company. You talk to those people all the time. Does this work for you? She's like, yeah. I'm like, all right, cool. Nice. And it was that easy. Nice. And nobody else thinks of it like that because at the end of the day, she does. Like she probably had 10 more meetings after that with people that just wanted to talk about how awesome their company was, but that company doesn't need that. That company needs people that are gonna get the price they need to make their money and be able to do it. Yeah. So I got recommended in there. So I knew she already knew from the person that recommended me that we could do it. So the price is the only thing that mattered. Yeah. So what are we talking about here? Yeah. <laughs> What what other, here's the price. Yeah. What other questions do you have for me and to make sure you I can actually solve this for you? And she told me uh, today actually that that was the reason that I got the account was because of the way I walked in there. And and it's weird because that's totally like not normal and not professional, right? You normally feel like when you watch the movies or talk to people, you have to sit down, you have to sell yourself. Nobody needs to do that. No. If you have the product they want and the price they want it at you're good. And if your price is more, you have to sell them on why it's more. Well, and if you understand what problem they have, yeah. then, and that helps too. And it, it was funny seeing this in like the, the SaaS software space. Um, uh, so many people used to walk in and probably still do walk into the presentation or the zoom call with a 15 page PowerPoint slide. And the first few slides are basically 400 logos of the people that we've worked with. And, and it's like, they don't care. That doesn't help them. Like they're a small company with 10 people. Yeah. They don't care how you helped McDonald's. Like that's fine, but that's not what they're here for. They're here so you can solve a problem. So it's one of the things that I, I kind of learned from sales in that space. And then even doing this now is is really figuring out like, okay, what is the main problem that you're dealing with mm -hmm. and can I solve it? And then let's work from there. Yep. In your case, you got the referral, so you, you already know you can solve the problem. So it's like, here's what it is, what else you need? Yeah, I mean, they needed they need a problem solved. I knew this stipulation, so I was able to, to work it differently. If it was a different environment, I would still go about it very similar though. Yeah. I wouldn't walk in so brash and just set it down, but with a big company like that, th again, their time is extremely valuable. So instead of making it a 45 minute meeting, I made a 10 minute meeting, give her 30 more minutes. Yeah. That's huge for her. So whether it was because I just went in there, gave a price and she liked it versus the 30 minutes, we'll never know that real answer. I'd like to think it's because I saved her time. Yeah. I got her more stuff done that day. Yeah. Uh, so when you're going to these builders, you know, or people or anything, they're selling the number is never going to matter. And that's the hardest thing for somebody to realize. It's how good you sold yourself. If you sold yourself higher than that number, they'll say yes. If you sold yourself lower than that number, they're going to fight you. Yeah. It has nothing to do with what the number is. Hmm. And that's super critical in sales when you're on your business. That's why it's so much easier for the business owner to sell versus an employee to sell. Yeah. Because the business owner sells his business. It means something to him. Mm -hmm. He knows how to make the money sound bigger. Yeah. Employees don't. They're just looking for a check. They're like, well, you know, I can I can throw this in for twenty percent off. I can do this. I can do this. Like a wheel and deal. Yeah. They're just trying to they're trying to get them to say yes any way they can. Yeah. Where the business owner knows how because it's his business. He's made his brand. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I noticed that too as a like working for another company, being in sales. I just never felt like I really cared yep. that much. And 
not for a lack of caring or being apathetic, which you get into that rut or I do because of my personality. But yeah, I, I wanted to do something for myself for that reason is to have something that I really care about and have a, a tangible amount of care for that sale and why this thing is valuable. So I, I understand that. Um, so where, where does the company go from here? Well, the goal of the company, and I, it's very aggressive, but I know I always like to be an overachiever. It's all right. <laughs> Is in five years, I want to have at least three locations. Um, we're talking up with a builder that we do down here uh, that is bigger in Poncietta, West, West, uh, what is that? St. Augustine area up there. Okay. The West Coast. No, not West Coast. West Palm. There it is. Um, and they're wanting us to open a location there to service their cabinetry. Uh, we also have talks in Tampa of some builders wanting help up there. So nice. I'm not going to do that right away because that would be insane. But <laughs> we're going to look at which one uh, needs us the most, and we're going to find the right staff first. Uh, when we find the right staff and train the right staff, we're going to bring them up there and open up shop, and then we will bring in our serve, our system and products and, and teach them our system, our products in that system, and then we'll open. Nice. So again, I'm not going to just open it, take work, so I don't lose any money. Because at the end of the day, losing money to make less stress on everybody, I'll do all day long. Yeah. Because I'll make it back in twofold. Yeah. So I'm going to make sure that that system's open just as well before we take anything in as it was down here. Yeah. Um, also huge in promoting within the company. Okay. Um, and the reason a lot of people, a lot of people say they promote within the company a lot and things like that and then don't. But my reasoning for it is the more they're in the company, the more they know the culture. And the more they know the culture, the better I know they're going to continue that culture. Especially when you're not here. Yep. When you go somewhere else too. Yep. But again, the the hardest part for, and this is where business owner and employee was always so difficult for me because I was the employee and I was the business owner. When do you know when it's your fault versus the business person's fault on why you're not getting promoted? And I've always dove, dove, or dove right into that very critically and I've tried to find like that little line that separates it and they're really never is because it comes back to your truth, you know? Yeah. You can never change anybody's truth. So if you feel like you've done everything to the employee to try to get them trained the way you want to and they're not doing it, well, you, it's not your fault you're not bringing them in versus the employee thinking they're doing everything but not. It's not their fault that the employer doesn't see that because they are doing things good still. It's just not – they're not doing what the business model was – Designed for. Designed for. Yeah. And that's a tough one because you lose a lot of good people because of that, because of just different visions. Mm -hmm. And there's there's nothing wrong with it, but the hardest part is can you still separate amicably and continue to be good friends? And that's the, not not so much friends, but worker, yeah. worker business owner slash. And if you can do that and they leave happy, that's a win. Yeah. Um, but there is times that you have to have those talks with people because it's just not the right culture fit, but they're a great employee. Yeah. Um, I one time had that person and I found them a different job and that paid more. And I said, hey, it's not working out here, but here's a job that pays you more right down the street and they're looking for you today. And he was like, so you're letting me go, but you got me a job that pays more? And I was like, yep. He's like, okay, cool. And <laughs> <laughs> just... Went on to his day. It's hard to uh, it's hard to leave off with a bad taste in your mouth with that. Yeah, uh, with and that he's, setup. he's still there to that day. It's the perfect culture for him. So nice. Uh, I mean, it worked. It worked out. It's it's tough sometimes because you know people think different, and you can't take that you can't take that to emotion. And that's what a lot of people do is they take a fundamental thing that they believe and take it to heart, which you can't. Yeah. Yeah. And. and those are the fun things you learn as you grow in business that I'm going to be making sure as we progress and get these new divisions going that we make sure we have the right people. 
Yeah. Because I'd rather take nine months to do it versus three and rush it. I'd rather take that nine months, find the right people, train them up right. And if I have to move them out of a critical spot in my other roles, I'd love to find somebody to replace that before he's gone <laughs> or she's yeah. gone. Yeah, and you still have a strong structure in place. You still have everything running smoothly here, but yeah. you can expand in a way that is feasible. Yep. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome, man. It's a lot of things that go into business that people don't think about. It makes your brain work very fast. Very fast. And uh, one thing I've noticed too, as I changed into this, is that my goals became to actually figure out whatever my problem was and find a real solution versus when I was an employee that I'd be like, well, maybe it'll get solved. Maybe it won't. <laughs> now I'm like, I remember those no, days. we're, we're going to solve this. And yep. I'm going to do it by myself if I have to. Yep. So, But it's better to not have to do it by yourself. No, that's always good to have people. I mean, I believe it or not, nobody knows. My wife's a stay-at-home mother. Um, but any big decision I make through my company, she's 50% of the decision. And yeah. nobody nobody realizes that and or says anything about it. But um, I don't think many people catch on to it but she's she's very in tune with business um learning as i'm learning to where she actually a lot of times makes me make the better decision so it's it's a good thing if you keep your family good with your business it's it's gonna grow yeah i'm kind of in a in a similar boat yeah. run a lot of this stuff by and uh yeah you take an extra couple of days but generally you tend to make the the better decision yep yeah well Jake, thanks for uh, for joining me, man. Before we wrap this up, where can people find you? How can they start working with you? So they can find me at top-level.us is my website. Uh, I'm on pretty much every social media platform. There is, uh, we have a showroom in Cape Coral off of big intersections, B. Del Prado and Vizcaya. And uh, other than that, they'll see us at a new construction site near you. Cool. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate right. it. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Southwest Florida Podcasts. If you're a business in Southwest Florida and you want to use a podcast to grow your business, scan the QR code on your screen or visit the link in the show notes at www.swflpodcast.com.